James chapter 1 today, but to set the stage for that whole concept about why God is a good, good father, I want to read to you from certain passages out of James, and I'm not going to say the verses because it, I just want you to hear the flow, but these verses we'll use in our lesson today, and then I'll give you what those verses are, but here it is. Just think about the idea of God being good, good father in... Um, the verses you're about to hear. If anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to you. When you ask, believe, don't doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You're blessed when you persevere under trial, because when you stood that test, you'll receive the crown of life that the Lord's promised to those who love him. Now, when you're tempted, you shouldn't say, God's tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, so he's not going to tempt you with evil. But every one of us is tempted when we're dragged away by our own evil desire and enticed. And then when that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, it's going to bring death. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can save you. Whenever you look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to live in it, not forgetting what you've heard, but doing it, you'll be blessed in what you do. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. And then chapter 3. Where is the wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from the wisdom. But if you're harboring bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny that truth. That wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you're going to find disorder and every kind of evil practice. The wisdom that comes from above, though, is first of all pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come near to God. He'll come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So be patient, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. Do you see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? He patiently waits for the autumn and the spring rains. You too must be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming will be near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering... Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone would bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Well, if you turn to James chapter 1, I now want to go to that primary verse we're looking at today. It begins in verse 16, and it begins, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, 
coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like sifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Our God's a good God, isn't he? He is so good to us. Every good and perfect gift comes from our Father, who created these heavenly lights. He's a perfect Father. He's the good Father. I think it's interesting in verse 16, it begins with the phrase, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived about this fact that God is a good God, that God gives us good and perfect gifts. There's a contrast here because there are two fathers that we know of. There's the Father God and the Father Devil. And what a contrast. The Father Devil is the deceiver. And that's what the Bible says, that he is a deceiver. Look at that next slide. The devil is a deceiver. He's the father of all lies. He deceives. The purpose of his deception is to move you away from the father of light. Every good, perfect gift, our good, good father. Now that deception comes in so many ways. And we've already seen in some of the verses we read this morning, he really wants to sow seeds of doubt, doesn't he? We get those seeds of doubt in there or our desires that overrun us and create sinful death, then he can pull us away from the idea that God's a good God. And I think one of the ways that the devil tries to destroy us is to rid us of the belief and the trust that our God's a good God, that he gives us good and perfect gifts. He plants those seeds of doubt, doesn't he? Those unanswerable questions, right? Those unimaginable sorrows. You think about all the different things we go through, those unfair blows of life those prayers that seem to be unanswered, right? Sowing those seeds of doubt, those unexplainable events, seeds of doubt, seeds of how can God be a good God? Can't answer my questions. Going through what I'm going through, unimaginable. Why doesn't he answer my prayer? See it? Are y'all with me this morning? You know, plant those seeds of doubt. Why does he do that? To pull you away, keep from drawing near to God and begin to doubt whether or not God's a good God. Whether or not he gives us good and perfect uh, gifts. Boy, Job went through it, didn't he? You know the story of Job. <clears throat> With friends like that, who needs enemies, right? <laughs> Those three friends tried to explain the unexplainable and the unimaginable, right? Tried to give them all sorts of answers, and God told them later, all your answers are wrong, it's not right. And Job says, what you're telling me is not right. I know it's not the truth. I don't know. I don't have an answer to it. But I know my God's a good God. I know my God is with me. I don't understand it. But finally, it wore on him, didn't he? You finally come to the 38th chapter, and Job's now saying, I need an umpire. <laughs> I need to get this figured out. This is really, really affecting me. Then God speaks, Job 38, Job 39, Job 40, Job 41. And God says two things, Job. You lack the capacity to understand everything I do. Even if I wanted to explain it to you, I can't because you would never understand it. So no, I cannot, I cannot explain the unexplainable to you. And number two, where were you when I formed this universe? Where were you before the beginning of time? Where were you when I did the oceans and the earth and the sky and the universe? Where, where, where were you? I, I don't answer to you. I don't have to answer you. But you must trust in me. You must trust in me. Job never lost his trust, continued to persevere, 
continued to believe that God was a good God. He never abandoned the Lord. And notice what it says here in this verse, going back to our verse, that he is every good and perfect gift is from God. Now, when you receive a gift, and I receive a gift, what is our first response? Hopefully, your first response is to say what? Thank you. Not, oh, you shouldn't have, or I wanted it in blue, not red. You know? <laughs> Thank you. So, so what do we teach our little kids? Almost some of the first words when they receive a gift. What do we teach them to say? Say, thank you. Every good and perfect gift comes from our good, good Father. And we are taught all throughout Scripture to say what? Thank you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is what? Good. One of His gifts, His love endures forever. To be thankful. One time Jesus says, hey dads. He didn't say hey, but he said, hey dads, you know. You guys give good gifts to your children, and you're certainly imperfect in your life. Just think about the perfect father and the good gifts that he gives to you. You love to give good gifts and be generous to your kids and your grandkids. God does the same thing, except his gifts are perfect. So all we can do is we give thanks to God. That's part of prayer, right? The main part of prayer is to thank you, God. Give thanks to him. But also when I see this every good and perfect gift comes from above, it should fill us with great humility, shouldn't it? I mean, this is great humility if you see the next slide, the humility part of it, because we are understanding that God is giving us gifts. See it? Which one of us deserve even one gift from God by the way we live? And God is so generous that he's given us not just little gifts, but perfect gifts and good gifts, exactly what we need. Now, I can understand why God tells us to give to him generously, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. But when God gives to me generously, I, I, I can't fully comprehend that. I know that God tells me to be a cheerful giver, right? Why? Because God is a what? Cheerful giver. And that should humble us. House you have, the car you have, the bank account you have, the cryptocurrency you're trying to keep, and all that other stuff you have is not yours. It all belongs to whom? God. The God who gives it to us generously and should fill us with great humility. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Notice the origin of it. Every gift is from above, coming from the Father, see, of the heavenly lights, who does not have any change like a shifting shadow. Our God is pure light. He is light. He lives in the unapproachable light. It says when we get to spend time in heaven with God one day, that we'll be in a place where there are no heavenly lights except the one light that comes from the light who is God himself, the light. And it was this light who is the creator and the originator of everything and everyone. Nothing exists, as Scott read earlier, except through God. He's the originator of it on day one of creation. Here's what it says about God creating these heavenly lights. God said, 
let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning on the first day. First day of creation, the Father of the heavenly lights creates the lights. Day four, notice. Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And so it was so. And God made two great lights, the great light, greater light to govern the day, the lesser night to govern the night. He made the stars. And God set them in the vault of the sky to give them light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and he did that on the fourth day. Our God's a good God. God's a powerful God to do that on one day and the fourth day to give these heavenly lights to us. The origin of my life and your life and anything that ever exists is from this good, good Father. And it's good, isn't it? It's good. It's good. Not only that, He's our Savior. Look, He chose to give us birth, see, through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. Now, that first fruits referring to Salvation came to the Jews first, but thankfully we're Gentiles, and we're now the next part of the fruits. First fruits is Jews. We are now the rest of that fruit. We might be the first fruits, but notice our salvation. Birth needs to happen because sin produces death, right? We need to be made alive again through Jesus Christ, through the Word that's in us, that word of truth, and we now have salvation through our God. Our God is good, the originator of everything, source of everything. Our God is good. He's our Savior. And to them, we are thankful. We're filled with great humility for every good and perfect gift that he gives us from above. Now, we were reading some passages earlier from James that point to us to some of the great perfect gifts that God has given us. It's not all of them. And you could read of many other precious gifts that God gives us. And maybe this lesson will spark you to do further research on that. But I want to use James this morning and point to just a couple of them. What are those good, perfect gifts that our good Father has given us? And the first one you see on the screen is the wisdom that comes from God. This wisdom that's from above, chapter 4, going, I mean chapter 1, verse 4, they're going through per trials and troubles. Things are just blasting their life away. And they're lacking the understanding of what's going on. And so what does James tell them to do in verse 5? If you are lacking in anything, then you need to, if you're lacking wisdom, ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. It will be given to you. Now, I wish it was this way. God, I need wisdom, and middle of the night I'm sleeping, and he comes in and injects all that wisdom into my brain, and I wake up knowing everything I need to go. Wouldn't that be great? We tend to think about wisdom being that way. I ask for wisdom. Why, why, why don't I have it yet? You realize the Bible talks about wisdom being a process? Back to Job, as James refers to as well, Job said people will spend their lives going to deep, dark caverns, getting their fingernails and hands ruined 
in the rocks, mining for silver and gold and iron and other minerals. They will spend their life searching for that and wearing their bodies out for it. But are you seeking for the wisdom of God? Where do you find it? Where do you find that understanding? And what Job is saying in that is don't waste your life digging for things in this earth. You mine, you search, you seek, you ask for this wisdom that comes from above, that's from God. And it's going to take effort. It's going to take work, right? Not just going to be poured into your brain. Sorry to tell you that. It's going to take that effort. So when you think about wisdom, wisdom is what? What do I need to know? How do I apply it? And why should I do it? I mean, that's knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So when you think about the knowledge, what is it I'm praying to God for? What is it that I need to learn? What do I need to study? What do I need to observe? What do I need to experience? What is it? When I'm asking for that wisdom, give me that knowledge. How am I going to access that knowledge? Not only that, how am I going to apply it? Do I need to be trained? Do I need to develop good habits? Do I really need to understand the exercise of discipline in, in doing this, to apply this discipline? Because it's something new probably God's calling you to do, right? What sort of discernment do I need to exercise? What sort of advice might I need from others to apply this, from their experiences, from their knowledge? And most importantly of all, about God's wisdom, he says, whatever you learn from me, here it is, read it, you might want to write this down. Obey it. Obey it. Even if you don't understand it, first application of knowledge is to do what? Obey it even when you don't understand it. You obey it because it's the word of truth. And you obey it. And then, with that knowledge and understanding, God, give me wisdom to understand. Oh, that's why I do it. Anyone ever learned something and not sure what it was all about, and then down the road, the light bulb comes on. Oh, that's why I needed to know that. That's why I needed that training. That's why that person came into my life, right? That's why I've gone through some of these experiences. When you lack something, do what? Ask God, who's the good, good Father, and He will give you this good and perfect gift from above, this wisdom. Just go over to chapter 3 for a moment and he puts it all together here in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 13. Here it is. Who are the wise and understanding among you? Who are they? The ones who show it by their good life, right? By their good deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. And this wisdom, verse 17, that comes from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest. So that good, good Father gives us the good and perfect gift of wisdom. Ask God. He'll give it to you generously. Amen? Here's another one. Look in verse 12 of James chapter 1. The reward, the crown of life that he gives. Notice, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, I want you to notice there's a blessing here, there's a trial here, there's a test here, there's a reward here. See it? 
Here's the blessing for persevering. Here's the testing of your faith by that trial. Here's the reward, the promise of the crown of life that the Father gives those who go through that trial. So what's required? He says you have to persevere. Verse 4, you got to persevere. You have to persevere. Keep on going. Don't lose. Don't lose hope. Don't doubt. Stand firm. Be patient. Do you know there's brothers and sisters in our world today who are going through those fiery tests? It's the testing of their faith, verse 12. Again, in verse 3, it's the testing of your faith. Any of you having a test of faith right now in your life? Is your faith being tested? I mean, there are brothers and sisters of ours in our world right now who are under this test of faith, losing their life, losing their possessions, losing what they have simply because they believe in the freedom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what keeps them going? Because they believe in the promise that God will keep his promise, the reward of the crown of life. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a moment. And here is a group of Jewish Christians in Alexandria, Egypt, that are going through an intense trial, a testing of their faith. And, and this ties in so much about how this hope gets you through. So whatever you're going through today, whatever test of faith you're going through today, please listen to these words, okay? So he says in verse 32, you've endured a great conflict full of suffering. How so? Well, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You didn't run from your brothers and sisters. You stood next to them when they're being persecuted. See it? Fellowship. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves had a better and lasting possessions. They're losing their income. They're losing their possessions, not because they're bad people. It's a testing of their faith. They're followers of God, and they're being persecuted by the devil of this world. So do not throw away your confidence. It's going to be richly rewarded. Notice, you need to persevere so that what you've done, the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. Verse 38, the righteous will live by faith. I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Don't shrink back. Don't get so discouraged that you lose hope when your faith's being tested. And yes, your faith is going to be tested in so many different ways and sometimes pretty severe. So what do you do during this? You hold on. My God is a good God. My God gives good and perfect gifts. I'm going to persevere. I'm going to stand under this test. I'm going to remain faithful because I know that my God has promised me the crown of life to those who love him, and I love my God who's so good to me. Now let me ask you, how many promises of God has he kept? If you keep 70% of your promises, would you say you're doing really well? You make 7 out of 10 promises to your wife. Does she remember the 7 or the 3 you didn't do? I don't know because I've always fulfilled all my promises, 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, there's lie number one. But <laughs> so, what if you fulfill 80%? Oh, man, that's great. 90% of all the promises we make in this room come 
come to pass. Great. How many promises of God are kept? One hundred percent. Not one promise has he ever broken, nor will he ever break. And so this good and perfect gift that he's promised you of the crown of life, it's there. You're going to get it and receive it. Beautiful, isn't it? It's a good and perfect gift of wisdom, this good and perfect gift of this crown of life. And then you go to verse 18, this good and perfect gift of the word of truth. This word of truth. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's not only about our salvation. I mean, the word of truth tells us how to be saved, right? We hear the word of God. We put our faith in God's word and the Son of God. We repent of our sins. We confess Him as Lord. We're baptized into His name, and we continue to live for Him faithfully all the days of our life. Amen? That's what the word of truth tells us. But it's more than that if you go to verse uh, 21, because we live in a world of filth and evil that's so prevalent. How do you overcome that? You humbly accept the word that's planted in you, which can do what? It saves you. It saves you. So either in my life I'm having the evil and the filth of this world planted into me by my desires that brings forth death that he talked about earlier, or I'm into the word of God and my Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word, and I have him so deeply planted in me, this plants of faith, that it keeps me from the filth and the evil that's so prevalent. That's a gift, isn't it? God's word is a gift, this word of truth. And it is true. What a gift to think that none of us have to wonder what truth is. None of us have to say, I don't know where to go to find truth in this world. What a gift. Where can you go to find truth? Where do you go to find truth in this world? Don't have to guess, do you? Where do you go? Word of God. The Bible is the truth. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and the life. How do you want to get to the Father God who's good? Through Jesus Christ. Through Him, the Word of truth. He gives that good and perfect gift of the Word of truth. And then in verse 25, He gives us the gift of freedom. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. I am not in a condition of worrying about God condemning me all the days of my life because I do something wrong. Because of Jesus Christ, I have been set free, right? If you're set free by the Son of God, you are set free indeed. That's what the video showed earlier this morning, didn't it, when we looked at it, about you don't have to be a slave to sin. You can be a son of God, set free. And you think about the number of people in our world that are filled with guilt and sin, who are being wounded by sin, whose very desires are at war with their nature of to what to do right or to do wrong, who are feeling so wretched inside because of what sin is doing to them, the law of sin. And Paul says to that how are we delivered? How can we be rescued from that? And Paul says, thanks be God to God for our Lord Jesus Christ who delivers us from the law of sin. Therefore, there is what? No condemnation 
For those of you that are in Christ Jesus, for Jesus Christ has set us free from the law of sin. I love this is the 245th year of our great country. I love the Declaration of Independence when you read that first part about all the things come from God, all of our rights. I love that we declare that we're an independent nation. We need to live up to those values, those ideals, continue to go forward as a great country, and to love our country, support our country, and ask God to protect our country, and for us to continue to want to serve God as a country. Amen? The freedom. But man, you have a freedom that goes beyond 245 years. It's the freedom that God first offered to Adam. He'll be the freedom that he offers to the very last man that ever lives on this earth. Freedom from sin. Freedom from the rule of Satan. Freedom. I'm giving you this good and perfect gift. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It's by grace you've been saved by faith. It's not your own doing. Unless you're going to brag about it and boast about it to everyone. No, it comes from God, and you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You have been set free. Don't give up that freedom. Thank you, God, in great humility for this perfect gift of freedom. <clears throat> so in verse 12, he says in chapter 2, I'm going to speak and act as those who are being judged by the law that gives that freedom. Well, there's so many more. Time's up. Let me do one more. One more. So one more, two minutes is like 20 minutes to a preacher. So somewhere in between there, we'll finish this point up. All right. So, so here we are, chapter 4, verse 6. This good and perfect gift. This good and perfect gift. Strength to overcome temptation. Forgiveness when we fail. It's a win-win. Here it is. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. The good and perfect gift is this. In times of temptation, God has promised to protect you and help you see the open door to walk through. So what do you have to do? You begin by submitting to See it? Submit yourselves then to God. God, I'm coming under your authority. I'm asking for wisdom here. I believe your promise in testing of faith. I'll get a crown of life. See it? I believe your word is truth. I'm going to live by that truth. I want to walk in your freedom, Lord. And I know the devil's trying to take it from me right now. I'm submitting to your authority. When you submit to God, the devil is being resisted. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Now, if you try to resist the devil before you submit, the devil's going to laugh at you. <laughs> it's not by your power, your discipline, or your habits that you are overcoming the devil. The devil knows when someone's submitted to God and when they have not. The devil knows when you're under the wisdom of God and the word of truth and the freedom that he's offered and you're walking in that or not. You submit to God and the devil says, uh-uh, I'm walking away from this one. Now, he's not going to leave you alone. He's coming back, right? He's like those hyenas. You know, see a carcass of the lion's chewing on. Lions growl, they run away, they keep coming back, don't they? All right. If the devil didn't leave Jesus alone and kept coming back to him in his ministry, he's not going to leave you alone either. But 
Here it is, temptation. No temptation overcomes you that's not common to man. And when you're under temptation, Paul says, look for the door and walk through it. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. First part is that strength to overcome temptation. But here's the beauty. When I fail, and I will. When I fall, and I will. When I sin, and I will. By God's grace, he doesn't give up on me. He forgives me. He forgives me. And, and this is what is it's so important for us to see here. So what do we do then? We come near to God. What does sin do to us in our relationship with God? We want to walk away, get away from him. Afraid we're being judged. Get away from other brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we just want to get away from it all. In fact, that's the very last paragraph of this letter, isn't it? This is what's happening here. Some brothers and sisters in Christ have wandered from the truth. And they need to be brought back. Look around to this congregation right now. And the havoc that's been caused by the world in the past year. And the fear and the doubt that's crept into so many. Look around. Don't assume that our brothers and sisters here are just there because they're trying to avoid an illness. You need to assume that they might have been picked off. And they've wandered away from the truth. Good news is... They've wandered, we draw them near. See it? Draw near to God, come near to God, and he'll do what? Come near to you. There it is. Don't stay away from God. Oh, I've done so much, he could never forgive me. No. Come near to him. He'll draw near to you. And then when you draw near to him, you're going to wash your hands. You're going to purify your hearts. You're going to get rid of all that double-mindedness. Because now you're in the presence of God. How could this God, such a good God with such good, perfect gifts, take me back with all my sin and filth? Got to get rid of it. My heart's so impure, right? How can he take me? Draw near to God. Draw near to you. Believe it. It's a good and perfect gift. You don't deserve it. I don't either. But I'm so thankful and so humbled by it. And just leads to the repentance. No, I'm going to, I'm going to grieve and mourn and wail. Just like the Beatitude says, Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be what? Comfort. When you grieve and mourn and wail over your sins, God has your heart right where it needs to be. So he can comfort you. Repentance. Change your laughter. Don't laugh it off. Mourn about it. Don't say, ha, that's just the way I am. Turn that joy to gloom. Because what happens? Here it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord. And he'll do what? He will lift you up. Our God is a good, good God who gives us every good and perfect gift like wisdom and the crown of life and the word of truth, the law of liberty and strength for temptation and to overcome forgiveness. Amen? Let's stand together. I hope this lesson has encouraged you this morning that you'll walk in that freedom that God has given you. And I pray this week as we start this week together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that you will not be deceived to think wrong about our God. Our God is a good God. And to remember that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the kind of first fruits of all he created. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation in any way, please make your way to the front bench as we now sing this next song.